You are listening to the Living Truth Podcast with John Corr and C.L. Mitchell. Please stay tuned to Living Truth as we engage in an in-depth journey of discovery through the discussion of God's Word for the purpose of devotion and godly living. We pray that you would be blessed through today's conversation and that God would sanctify your heart in truth, for His Word is truth. Good afternoon. This is John Corr and the Reverend C.L. Mitchell coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. This is the Living Truth Podcast. We are so glad that you're with us today. Hey, uh, if this is your first time joining us, uh, we are two friends that love to uh, discuss the Bible and talk uh, deeply about God and theology, and uh, we have a good time doing it. And we envision that you, as our audience member uh, or members, are listening into us as we're sitting around the table. Our Bibles are open. We have coffee or tea or hot chocolate, as some people like to drink in the middle of summer. Um, and so we welcome you. And we are actually in the midst of a discussion in the book of Jonah. And we are just starting in Jonah chapter 2. But before we get to our discussion, I want to say hi to my friend, Reverend. Hello, Bishop C.L. Mitchell. Doing? I'm doing wonderful. It's a beautiful day here in Arizona, nice and warm, and uh, we are um, we're we're enjoying life right now. So praise God. Yes, you know it's it's actually we have to be very um, thankful. I we, think yes, because we've had extraordinary weather through May. And even now in June, when yes. we, we would normally have um, um, very hot temperatures. And yeah, it's not as hot. I'm grateful. I have no complaints. Uh, no complaints. And especially we're in Arizona, we're waiting for the bottom to drop out and for the heat to be turned up. But as long as it delays, we're glad for that. Yes. Anyway, uh, if you're listening, uh, we, we're so glad that you're joining us. Um, we're going to pick up where we left off. And where we left off really is where the story sort of changes. Jonah has um, Jonah was a prophet of God, called by God to deliver a message to the Ninevites. The Ninevites were um, um, part of the Assyrians, and they weren't really that good, but he was saying jo- sending jo- Jonah to say, hey, repent, or I'm going to destroy you. And Jonah doesn't like the Ninevites. In fact, he decides to go the opposite direction, gets on a ship, and heads uh, heads west, and uh, he heads for a place called Tarshish, which could be as far as Spain. We don't know exactly where it's at, but he's going the opposite direction. And of course, in his time on this boat, God sends storms, and finally um, Jonah is thrown overboard at his request to make the storm stop. And at the end of chapter 1, uh, it says that God appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and that Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. We talked about that verse last time, and we were just getting into the beginning of chapter 2, which we were noting that the language changes from one of a narrative to poetry or a psalm, and Jonah is going to begin um, doing something we haven't seen him do yet, and that's cry out to God. So I want to read that section, read chapter 2, and let's talk about it. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, And he said, I called out of of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice, for you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea. And the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple." 
Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was was around me forever. But you have brought me up for, uh, up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will repay, or I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. Now, of course, we were talking about last time how uh, God sending this this fish to come and swallow Jonah. And at the end of the story, at the end of this chapter, rather, the, the fish does his job and, and vomits him back up into the land. But his time in the fish, his time uh, in the fish is a significant time because now for the first time, we're going to hear Jonah speak sort of his what he's feeling, what he's experiencing. And now we get a little bit of a glimpse maybe to his 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 prayer life to his devotional life to uh, his his now his communion with God up to up to this point in chapter one we don't hear Jonah very much talking to God uh, uh, or about God very much other than the fact that he admits that he's a prophet of God but here now in chapter two things change and the language changes to to prepare us for that and now we get to step into the shoes or into the skin of Jonah. And let's see what that is, because that's going to be a significant uh, turning of events um, in Jonah's life. Absolutely. We, we don't know, John, how much time elapsed betwixt the call of God in chapter 1, yeah. verse number 1, or this specific assignment. I want to probably distinguish that language because we know that he had already received the call of God uh, and was an active prophet before that. So probably a more pointed, accurate term would be um, um, uh, betwixt that time of God's assignment for him and chapter number 2. It seems as though things went quite rapidly. Right. And I do think that that's the case, but we don't know how much time elapsed. And the reason why I mention that is because when the reader comes to um, chapter 2 in the English Bible, but we've already been in chapter 2 in the Masoretic text, when the reader comes to that, they should be very shocked. Because as we said in our previous broadcast, God opens up by speaking to Jonah. And unlike the prophetic call and response um, depictions throughout the First Testament that we see. Uh, sometimes we see a Hineni, here am I. Right. Or sometimes we see um, excuses um, that that recognize one's insufficiency. Moses, I, I Gideon. I speak. Right. I'm too young. Jeremiah. I, I'm not a man of, of, of great braveness or things of that nature, right? Um, um, whereas we see that, we see silence from him, right? But what we what we see of silence in his his vocality, we see him actually um, um, uh, very clearly speaking his opposition through his life, his actions, right? Yeah, uh, through his actions. Well said. And so now, for the first time in this book, for the first time in this book, we we've previously seen Jonah speak horizontally, yeah, right uh, to to the, uh, to the sailors, sailors, yeah, but. For the first time in this literature, we see him willing to pray to God. Right. 
Now, this is going to be interesting because we're going to take some time looking at this prayer um, because the prayer actually reveals his heart. Now, the good thing about this is that is that his prayer is not going to be a perfect prayer. True. But the good thing also is that God responds to his imperfect prayer, which means that God also responds to our imperfect prayers. That whatever, whatever, whatever he's, he actually starts off, he says, I, I called out of my distress to the Lord. Right off, right off the bat, he says, I called. Now, we don't know, you know, um, when. <laughs> it says that he was in the, in, the, in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Uh, is this initially, is this, you know, is he, is he realizing after the second day? You know, we don't know when. He finally gets to the point where he, re, re, when he calls out, Lord, help. You know, but it says, I called out to the Lord in my distress. And of course, he uses the, the, the sacred name, as we talked about before, the sacred name of God, the, the faithful, the Yahweh, the, the, the name that declares God's faithfulness to his covenant. That's, that's, that's so important to realize God's faithfulness to who he is and to his word. And this is the God that Jonah cries out to. He says, I cried out in my distress to the Lord, or from my distress, I called out. And crying out for help, which is a simple prayer, but let's let's look into that because you know from an experiential point of view, I mean, I don't know. As soon as I see the fish coming to me, I'm I'm screaming for help. As soon as I as soon as the I'm I'm being cast into the into the water, I'm crying out for help. But what but what does it take for this man to finally cry out? You know, yes. um, for for the Lord and to 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 admit some dependence or need of God to step in. And um, you know we'll we'll get into that as we as we discuss the text. Yeah, what what I want to notice is is a few things that lead us into this prayer. First of all, again, remember that the the fish, the, yeah. the great fish, good old, yeah, um, the, the, uh, the, is is uh, is appointed by God to an end. the The direct object, it seems, within the grammar here would be to swallow him. Right. Um, so although the fish is a means of discipline or judgment, he is also a means of mercy or rescue. Right. And and both of those should be known, that, that God is demonstrating great mercy here. So um, just to interject, I'm wondering, you know, I'm wondering what Jonah's thinking as the fish is coming. Is he thinking, okay, I'm being punished and I'm a goner? You know what I'm saying? Is he... Is he finally realizing I've crossed the line? This is my death sentence, you know. And the text does hint at the fact that he's going to have a death experience, so to speak. But I'm wondering, at one point, does he realize um, that this is not a tool, and that necessarily by God to kill him, but a tool by God to bring him to a point of, of turning and repentance? You know, right? Like, like what? At one point, is he is he? Realizing, no, God's not in it for me. God's using this to turn me. You know, right? That's that's significant. I think it's you know, I think that the text is going to tell us where, but we'll get to that in a second. But um, his initial reaction, so to speak, to seeing this fish and and going through the experience, if, if he's realizing, okay, I'm I'm done. Right. It, this this is to date. I, I I want our listeners, John, to really gather the shock and awe of this because a word is going to be introduced and, and if we don't have the context of this I'm not sure that we'll really appreciate the emotional nature of, of this verse right. because this has not been heard of to date in scripture but it, who has been swallowed by a fish that right. we know of right. this, this is this is terribly 
unique, right? Right. And so there, there's no, there's no book that he would have read in the Hebrew text that would have said, and so this person was in the the belly of a fish. Kind of like when we go through suffering, right. we're glad that the book of Psalms is there, right? And we're glad that the book of Job is there, yeah, because it gives us at least some modicum of of this is how individuals have historically handled suffering, right, or things of that nature. Nobody has been here before that we're cognizant of and, and survived like this. Right. And so this man is in shock and awe. He is absolutely taken by surprise. And thus the Hebrew word choice, not only does he pray from the stomach of the fish. Now, I think that that from is giving you locationally right. where he where he's at, yeah. but it's also the impetus of his prayer right i think it's it's that which is pushing him right. oh better pray right but here's what's significant i think the fact that he yeah he's being led to pray in in that distress or in that in that situation which we'll refer to that in a second but the fact that that he feels the freedom to to call out to god and that god is still on the line to answer that under prayer, these circumstances. Under these circumstances. Like, he hasn't crossed that line. That's significant because sometimes people think that they've gone too far. I've done too much. I've gone too far for God to hear my prayer or for him to even consider my prayer. But what's interesting is this, he's, he, he says, I called out my distress and he answered me. Now, we'll, we'll get back to the answering, but the fact that he felt the freedom and the fact that God's going to answer is very significant because sometimes if you have gone... In your life, you've gone down certain roads, have taken you far, far away from God. God is still a rolling a prayer away. And the fact that God will take Jonah to the utter limits, you know, three days and three nights, speaking of the, 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 the time it took to travel to the, the netherworld, the underworld, so to speak, yes. you know. And now he's going to be at that threshold, that, that sort of, you know, here's the cliff, so to speak, you know, and yet God's going to hear his prayer from there. That tells me a lot. No matter how far you've gone, how far you've wandered, how deep you've gone, yes, God is that prayer away. Yes, that's significant. That God's he he's, he hears that prayer, he responds to that prayer. Now the fact that Jonah now comes to his senses and, and says, "I'm going to cry out to God," I, 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 in my distress, and some people are and some people are are only praying to God in distressful times which maybe God allows more distressful times for you to get to pray more, but, you know, but sometimes it takes that, you know, and that's okay, you know, because God is a God who is, he's like, I am, right? I am what you need, basically. I am your provider. I am yes. your your healer. I am your leader. I'm your Lord, you know, that the, that God allows those distressful times to keep us on our, on our knees. And yes. so, you know, the the graciousness of God to to be on call, so to speak, hmm. to a willingly stubborn, hard, hard-hearted prophet who's now crying out in whatever imperfect way it is, and God's going to answer that prayer. And God, that, that's the grace of God right there, is his willingness to answer when we call out. Yeah, I love that you pointed out the tetragrammaton, I will be who or what right. I will be. Right. Um, here he is in, in this text, John. From the stomach of the fish, and and when he's in the stomach of the fish, he says in the first person, "Hmm, I 
kara. I called out. Called out. Right? Um, I think we need to allow the full force of this term. This is not a cute prayer. Yeah. Uh, this is not... Uh, although I'm terribly impressed by the content and the structure of the prayer, but the desperation behind yes. the prayer is very real. Right. And when he says, I called out to I am from my distress, I'd like to use a different translation for that, if I may. From, um, uh, from my anxiety, from my oppression. Hmm. In other words, it was oppression. Um, it was something that was physically harmful to him, something that was mentally um, challenging to him, something that was full of great adversity that forced this prophet finally, that pushed him right. to finally, in desperation, help, cry out to God. Yeah. And, and this is difficult, but thank God for those moments where he uses whatever means to get us to him as the source. Yeah. I, I don't like those moments. I want to confess that. Pray no. God that my heart is supple enough, yeah. tender, soft, pliable enough where I can respond to him. And, and I want to suggest, if you're listening, don't practice this. Right? <laughs> yeah. Don't always have to have God get you in the hardest, most difficult uh, place for you to respond. Um, pray God that we will have a soft heart, right? Uh, a a an adherent heart, a responsive heart, before God ever has to take us to the extreme. Yeah. Because here's what here's what happens. You know, we could read this narrative completely different. This story could have done been something like this, and and Jonah ran, and they threw him overboard, and he died, and there yeah. was a tragedy. Right. And so that's a story for you to know next time that you ought not do this. Because here's the reality. You remember what God said, completely different context, to Elijah? Right. Look, look, I know that you feel like the centerpiece of prophetic ministry right now. Yeah, you're the only one, Elijah. <laughs> and, yeah, and just because I haven't chosen to divulge or share them with you doesn't mean that I completely hung the success of ministry on you. I, right. By the way, just so you know, I have 7,000 others. And by the way, it could be a summative round number right. that, that is not suggesting the actual mathematics. It could be a perfect, yeah. But the idea is, I have a group. I do think it's a larger number right. than what Elijah would have been aware of. But the idea is, Elijah, you are not the only one. And, and so when I look at this, I want to say, God had other options. There are other prophets who would have obeyed him. That, that, that's what gets me, is that... God could have given up on Jonah. He's under no obligation to have continued. And and it's not like, oh, I don't have anybody else like Jonah that I... No, God is still... Which is significant. God is, God is one who does not give up. Right. You know, and, 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 and we've, we've referred this to before that, that Jonah really is, is the main character of the story that God is trying to reach. Yes. And God is going to see to it that he reaches that man. Um, 
by through whatever means, you know. But God is not one who just just gives up and say, oh, "There's nothing that I can do with this person." That just that just speaks about um, again the grace of God, the long suffering God, the 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 sovereign of God. I mean, just you just the wonder. But but here's the thing. You know what really gets me about this, John, is that. God is not just interested in purposes. He's interested in people, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not as though he's saying, well, I'll dismiss that one. And I think that this is a microcosm of a macrocosmic truth. Right. The Son of God is never sent to die for one angel. Right. That's not yeah. one. It's not as though he could not have started over with a new Adam. Right. Right. It's not as though, remember what he says to Moses? I'll chuck the nation. Right. And I'll, I'll start, start over with with you. Uh, 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 with you. Yeah. And and Moses pleads, no, don't do that. Right. And and so what you see with God is, he hangs in there. He he wrestles with the nation to be his choice people that he's going to use as a light to the to the goyim to the nations to the nations to the, to the ethnos to the peoples. Right. Right. And so when I look at this, I, I want to say to people that are listening. The fact that God keeps pressing on you to use you yeah. is not due to something that God has found in you that he can't reduplicate right. or make better oh, he can make or do it, without. He can make somebody else to do if, if God is If God is wrestling with you, it's due to his character. Yeah. It's due to his mercy. It's due to his, his loyal kindness and, and fidelity, his refusal to give up. But but hear what he says in Genesis six, right? Completely different right, context. Right. My spirit won't always strive with, with man. mankind. Right? Yeah. So you shouldn't press that to to, to the nth degree because right. you never know when God will move on. Right. But I am so encouraged that He just doesn't instantly move on. God, that, that He works with us. God forbid you come to the point where He has moved on. Hmm. I mean, I was just reading in, in Exodus about God, you know, Pharaoh hardening his heart, God hardening his heart, the the whole, you know, where it comes to that place, um, you know, I, God forbid. But here we're, we're dealing with, with somebody that God wants to use and somebody that God wants to change. And, and Jonah, in one sense, pictures the people of God as well, you know, whether it's the nation of Israel at that time who, who was supposed to be the light to the nations and yet felt prideful of who they were and it had no love for the people around them, and yet they were supposed to be the people of God. And you know, even today, we're you know, as Christians, we're supposed to be the people people of God, which means we all demonstrate and reflect the heart of God for people that don't know Him and ought to encounter Him through our love and ought to encounter Him through through the church. You know, and I think so much of what God does in our lives is working on our hearts to. To, to make us um, pliable and make us realize that that he he is the difference maker in our lives you know yes. and and if he has and if he's if as Jonas says I cried out with my distress and he answered me so I want to give you you, a you can preach a sermon you can you can stay you can preach a sermon you can do a series you can have a whole church based on that verse alone I cried yes. out to the Lord and he answered me and I'm here to tell, testify about what he did yes so I want to give you a test John and sure. you could easily have tested pop me quiz. on this okay, okay here's a pop quiz um so in this verse verse two. I called out to the eternal one from my distress. Right. 
and he answered me. Now remember, he's just spent an entire chapter ignoring God. Yeah. Why doesn't God ignore him back? Yeah. See, that's exactly... See, that's would, would that's you, what you would expect. If someone came to you yeah. and had ignored you, yeah. now, it, now it's pitting God's character against my own. Right. Would you respond? Yeah, seriously. You get the silent treatment. You sleep, you're sleeping on the couch, Jonah. Like, oh, oh, <laughs> you know? now, oh now you need oh, me. Oh, now you want me. It, it, now, now I'm important to you? Right. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Trouble comes, and so you want to talk now. Yeah. So, so, so what you would expect if this were us right. is the silent treatment. So, so the chapter should really go something like this. It should go, I cried out to the Lord. And then it should be blank. <laughs> you know what I mean? If God were like us. If God were like us. Praise God he's not. I want to stop and thank him. Yeah. I, Isaiah says, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, if I were like you, I wouldn't forgive you. Yeah. I, I completely leave you the way you are. Yeah. This verse makes me emotional. Um, but because I'm not like you, my ways are not your ways. Right. As high as the heavens are from the earth. Yeah. Are my ways from yours. As far as the east is from the west. They, they never meet. This is where we're unlike God. And thank God that that he is distinctly altogether other because it's because he's who he is and he has infinite limitless you name it grace mercy kindness love compassion yeah that's the reason why this verse doesn't read blank but it reads he answered he answered me what kind of god is the god that would would seat the man who's going to turn you over to be arrested and seat him in the place of honor who knows early on in his ministry, or at least, you know, with several months or if not a year ahead of time, who is going to betray him, and yet still continues to have that man in in his midst of followers? Who knows the people who are going to betray him, who are going to deny him, who are going to flee and run away from him and and just you know hide out? What kind of God is that? Yes, that would that would that would reach out to the one who says, I don't even know his name. I don't know who he is, but would still restore him. That's the, that's the thing is God is not like us. And the God of the scripture, the real, the true God of the scripture that, that cries out to, to the cries that answers prayers of people who have ignored him or, or, or ran away from, him, but truly answers the true cry. This is not Jonah trying to manipulate God. Right. This is not a, you know, a magical spell or wish or whatever. This is an honest prayer. I cried out in my distress and he answered me. God is God is not petty. Mm. So well said. Thank you, Lord. That that God is not petty that he would fold his arms and say, I'm giving you the silent trip. That he's the kind of father who, like in Luke chapter 15, receives that the prodigal son back and celebrates at that. After family members who had one, two, five offenses. Yeah. Haven't spoke to one another for years. Yeah. Or like Kepha, Peter, who says, okay, Lord, um, I, I've forgiven this person um, seven times. Hey, hey. Uh, hey, that says a lot. 
okay, so, so let me just make sure, Lord, that I'm doing my math right, because I've already gone over the Torah, um, the, the, the official number. So how many times do I have to forgive them? Jesus is not being mathematic. Right. He's, he's opening a door into his heart yeah. for Peter to veer into, and he says, if you really want to be like me, Kifa, 70 times 7. And, and, and what's the point, Lord? Have an ongoing constancy of, of forgiveness and compassion and readiness mm. to, to release that person yeah. from what they've done for, to you and to connect with them in fellowship. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. 1 Corinthians 5. Okay, listen, the guy is sleeping with his stepmother. He needs to be removed from the church. Right. But 2 Corinthians... Restore him. Rest- let him back in. Yeah. Galatians, if your brother uh, uh, sins against you, restore. It's the word for either putting a bone back in place. Right. Mend it back, yeah. Or, or, or mending a net. Yeah. Right? He sends Titus to Crete to set an order. It's the same word that's right. used in Galatians. My point is, our God is a God of restoration. And because he's not like us, yeah. which tells me this, I am most John like myself. When I'm willing to hold an odd against someone, hmm. I, I, I most like myself when I have a family member that I haven't talked to in years. Yeah. When, when I when I think when I think I have a really good reason not to connect and not to seek reparation. Yeah. But I am most like God when I am able to say. I have to hold you accountable, but if you call, yeah, and it's sincere. I'll answer. Yeah. Thank God for his character. He says, I cried for help from the death of Sheol. Yeah. This word Sheol is the Hebrew term for the, for the, um, um, Septuagintal and Kohene Greek term Hades. Right. Um, this, this was considered, um, the place of the netherworld, the place where the dead went. Um, um, its concept is really used in the ancient Near East. Um, I, I think I'm indebted to, to Dr. Wegner yeah. for a chart yes. that he developed some years earlier that gives a picture of the ancient Near Eastern perception of the world right. and how it was was stabilized on that. the foundation of the mountains. Yeah, I remember that. And and how at the base of the mountains, and now I, I go beyond um, just his imagery that he gave there to, to several other scholars, but, but I wanted to give proper credulity to him in so much as he was an introduction to that thinking, right? Yes. That at the base of the mountains, that really served as the pillars or the foundations upon which the world hung. Right. That was the, that was the ancient Near Eastern cosmology as it were but but at that point when one passed that mountain base yes you go. they were stepping into a new realm right. as it were that's the realm that Jonah is now depicting now just to so in this verse in uh in verse 2 it's actually a Hebrew parallelism that develops uh, usually in, in in the Hebrew parallels the one the first phrase may be further developed by the second phrase. So it's a synthetic, progressive, right. parallelistic structure. So let structure. me read the two yes. together just to show the progression. He says, I cried out um, of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. Then he develops that phrase now. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. 
you heard my voice. Now stop right there. The first is from my distress, which yes. we discussed. But now he tells you the depths of where he's at, which means that this isn't just this isn't just a okay. It's the distress of being in a fish, but now he's at the stress of now being on the very edge of death itself, on the edge of that entering from transitioning from the the, the place of the living to the place of the dead. Yes. That's where he's now crying out for God to help him, and God hears him even from there. And God hears him. Let, let me just, for our listeners, let me, because this also has a chiastic structure to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to mention, as you said, the alignment, how we arrive at that. So I called out is the equivalent of I cried out. Right. Um, uh, f- from my distress, out for help. Those would be aligned. Um, um and he answered me, and you heard me, or and you heard my prayer. So, so from my distress, from the belly of Sheol, right? Those, yeah. those two lines. So that the center point of this, as I understand, is God answering, God hearing, and God answering and hearing is really the central point of this. The main point of this is even Jonah is shocked that God heard with the intent to do something about his plight. You know, what's interesting is that this scene of, of Jonah's prayer uh, parallels chapter one with the, 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 the mariners who are praying. They, they, they're in a storm and they, they cry out. They, they decide to pray in verse 14 of chapter one. It says, then they called on the Lord and say, we earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not put innocent blood on us, blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they're in a, in a situation that's distressful, causes them to pray. And then, of course, God answers that prayer in verse 15 of chapter 1. It says, of course, that they picked him up, they threw him, and this he stopped. Okay. And then they got delivered. They offered yes. vows. In this prayer now in chapter 2, it's going to be exact same structure we're now, except instead of the, the storm at the sea, now there's the drowning, there's the being in the belly, where now Jonah is, is forced, which is interesting, why didn't Jonah pray in chapter one? Now he's at the point where God has led him to a point where now this is getting his attention. And now he realizes that, you know, where, where there's, a, there's a shift here, where now he's going to pray, and God's going to bring deliverance, of course, we'll see in the rest yes. of, of this prayer. And then he will also offer sacrifices and vows, as he says at the end of this, at the end of this um, uh, chapter ten, rather. And it should be noted that when he Remember, uses the word for 10. prayer here, he uses the most common um, Hebrew word for prayer. Right. But also in uh, uh, verse number two, the latter stage, um, when he uses this concept for voice, um, he heard my voice. There's a metonymy that's here. What I mean by that word is that that he sounds, he, he, he yeah. means he's going to the extreme in other words every facet of the prayer right right is summed up in this term my voice and the reality is he heard the whole thing right he heard the whole thing um that's that's extraordinary yeah now when when he says this uh, by the way i think it's important just to stick a pin in our minds about god answering the prayer yeah because here's what we're going to discover this prayer is wonderfully poetic, John. Yeah. But it's missing some crucial stuff. Oh, yeah. And it has, yes, 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 yes. And so when I know that, I'm actually surprised God answered it. See, that's why I was trying to say is that his prayer is imperfect. 
because he's not okay there's no real repent repentance here there's a lot of i i i did this i did that i did this right yeah but though his prayer is imperfect this is what gives me hope because i know how many times i prayed and maybe prayed selfishly yeah you know and had my you know everything about me and mine when i'm praying and God is still gracious to to answer that prayer. He doesn't say, here, send it back. It's just the fact I'm looking to him for help, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe I don't realize it at the time, but um, that tells me a lot about the nature of God, you know? It does. It's um, that he would respond to as, no matter how, how um, selfish it is or how, it, like if it, it misses the mark of a perfection of prayer, I don't have to sound, you know, like super eloquent and have the, it's just help Lord. Right. Help, which tells you something that the nature of this prayer is, is something that's very true and very good is the recognition of one's need for God. Yeah. If, if the, if the term answer is a window into God's heart and kindness, the, the the whole prayer is a window in to the prophet's heart. Yeah. I, I'm terribly undone that it, in some uh, fashion, the words I'm sorry is not here. No, but let's just, before we get there, I just, something just hit me as I'm, as I'm thinking, think, have you ever been in one of those um, soundproof rooms? Yes. You know, the kind that you can scream and shout and somebody outside doesn't hear you? Hmm. Yes. Now think about this. Jonah is, and he's, and we know he's in the he's in the depths. The, the, the text is going to describe him. He's in the whale, or not whale. He's he, in a he's fish. He's in the fish at the bottom of the ocean. Okay, who hears that cry? How far does that those sound waves travel? You, you, you're screaming as loud as you can, and there is no. It's not going anywhere. And what are the mariners thinking? They he's can't gone. hear him. He's he's gone. gone. He's fish food. But the fact that God would hear him, it says, he says, I, I cried for help from the death of Sheol, and you heard my voice. I, you, you, no one else heard your voice. No one else heard his voice. I, can you imagine? He's, he's, he's finally screaming out, help, help, help. He's not doing this. This is mine. He's actually crying out for help. He's not just, he's crying out for help. And who's hearing this voice? But God. So, so let me ask a logical question. Yeah. John, with where he is, who else could hear him? Not just physically, but spiritually. Right. Who else could? Or that's, let's increase the question. Yeah. Who else would? Right. Who, who wouldn't say, that's it, buddy. Cry out, call out all you want. You had your opportunity. Yeah. Who else could? Who, who else, else would? would? And what would their answer be if they answered? Yeah. Um, I'm terribly impressed by the fact of not only where he calls, but that even there. Do you remember Psalm 139? Yeah, I was just thinking this exact same thing. Yeah. If I make my bed in Sheol, even, even there. there, I, I want to just pause for a moment. Um, you may be listening to this broadcast and you're where you ought to not be. Hmm. 
You don't even have to be a believer. You can be a believer, but you don't even have to be a believer. You're in distress. Now, now listen. Don't you get prideful. Stress and duress, oppression, difficult circumstances, sometimes hardens people's hearts. You would have think that Pharaoh, you would have thought that Pharaoh would have said enough already. Yeah, yeah. His, his statement enough was never real. Don't you get prideful and say, if I didn't let God break me when, then I'm not going to let him break me now. Stop yeah. that. Because listen, in the words of James Weldon Johnson, your arms are too short to box with God. You'll never win this bout. But here's the good news. And I want to be very specific here. If you're addicted on a substance and, and you can't even reach yourself, going to AA, they can't reach you. Going to some sort of recovery group, um, this addiction is so thick and so powerful over your life. Call out on your distress. He can reach you and your job is gone. He can answer you and your family is gone. He can reach you and your marriage is gone. He can reach you and your dignity is gone. If you're in prison, he can reach you and your freedom is gone. He can reach you and your health is gone. He can reach you. By the way, sometimes a prison is not only the one with bars around you. Sometimes the stronger prison is the one with the bars in you. Mm -hmm. You could be absolutely wealthy and could write out any check to anyone. And yet people don't know that you're walking around saying life is worthless. I want to tell you, you may be unreachable by people around you, but you are not beyond God right where you are. You can cry out and don't do it cute. Don't, don't, don't try to be fanciful. Don't, don't try to, to do anything of the sort. Here's a really good prayer. Jesus, son of David, have, have mercy. mercy on That's me. six words. And if you can't do that, Two words, Lord help. And if you can't do that, help. Help. <laughs> or Jesus. He hears what you don't even have the time or the intelligence to pray. And he'll answer. But don't, don't get so strong in yourself that, that you can successfully die saying, I resisted God. That's not a success. Mm -mm. I'm terribly impressed that in the worst case scenario, God heard him. I don't want to say for myself, oh God, hear me when I cry. I hear the Psalter so clearly. Yeah. In I cried unto the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my, my fears. This poor man cried unto the Lord, right? You, you see this constancy yeah. where God hears, God answers. Um, don't let it take, don't let, it shouldn't have to take you going down into a fish, into the bottom of the ocean before, before you cry out to God. Because God is at no, no limit of his tools. No, but also the, 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 the pride, the refusal to ask, maybe you think because you've got yourself into this, you can get yourself out of this. No, no, no. you're stuck. And don't explain it away. This is not natural. No. What you're going through. Well, that just happens at that. No, no. no. Um, um, and, and there is an adversary who would love for you to die right where you are without crying out. Yeah. 
And that's the one thing the adversary doesn't want you doing. He doesn't want you crying out to God. It's the reason why he's making you think that way. Like God won't, God won't hear your cry. There's nothing that God can do. You've gone too far for, for even God himself. Those are all lies. Right. Jonah is an evidence of this. You can be at the bottom of the ocean in a fish and cry out to God and God changes your life. Think about that. You haven't reached the end of the hand of God and the arm of God is not too short that it can't reach you. That's right. You haven't gone so far. You you say, you know, but I've done too much. I've, I've gone, I've messed it up too much. It's too tangled, too, too much, too much, too much of a mess for God. No, no. Listen, if God can rescue one sinner from hell, if he can rescue mankind, he can rescue you. The story of the Bible is a story of God's glory depicted yeah. in his rescue effort. He does what we call mission impossible. He does what no one else can do. That's what God can do. And if something is bringing you to a simple prayer, a genuine prayer that says, help, Lord, help. And that's a prayer of surrender. When you realize, I don't even have the oxygen to breathe where I'm at right now. I don't have the, I don't have the words to say. Sometimes you go through a situation where it hits you so much and so bad, you can't think straight. You don't know which way's up. Yeah, John, we're... You know, in American society, this may not necessarily be altogether true for the other countries that listen to this broadcast around the world, but there was a time when America was richly Christian in its focus. Mm. You know, people would say things like this, um, even if I get in trouble, my father, my mother, my grandparents told me who to call on. Yeah. Now America is steadily becoming a post-religious, right? Um, post-Christian. I'm sure we're, we're we're trying to steadily push that. Very paganistic country. Yeah. So I want to tell somebody who could happen up on this broadcast, who says, I've never heard this before. If you haven't heard this, here's how you cry. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. In other words, the Bible depicts you as such. You were proven to be such. I believe in your person. You are the son of God who took on humanity. And and you died not simply historically, but specifically and personally for me. I believe that you were buried for me and that on the third day you rose again for me. Now you did that because I'm a sinner, which means I'm separated from you. Um, Worse than Jonah is, I am because he was near the land of the dead. I'm in the land of the dead. Namely, I'm separated from you and that's spiritual death. That's what I am by nature. And so since I am that by nature, I'm only expressing my fallen nature when I act out of it in sin. But I believe that your death was effective for me and I believe the right thing about you and I trust the data that I know about you. 
And I know I couldn't do that unless your spirit were already working in me to bring about that transformed perspective. So I want to ask you, would you apply your son's effective work to my sinful record and to my sinful soul? Allow that which I am contaminated with and that which I am guilty upon, uh, guilty of to rest soundly upon Jesus, who though he died 2,000 years ago, stands as the only right person upon whom the weight of any and all cosmic sin can rest. And then would you take his right standing with you and though undeserving, apply it to me, little me, sorry me, guilty me. And if you'll do that, Lord, and if I'll trust that you've done that, then according to the biblical record, I'll be changed, I'll be saved, I'll be new. I'll be a new human who is full of your spirit and enabled by the same to walk in a relationship with you. Um, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, cry out to the Lord. Let distress have its desired end in your life. Let oppression, let suffering, let the loneliness of your life, wealthy man, or the emptiness of a successful life that gives you everything around you but can do nothing for the, uh, for the lack within you. Let it have its perfect goal. And what is that? Let it lead you to cry out. I want to give you a promise. God is near to the broken hearted man. Those who come to him, he will in no wise turn away. I don't care where you are in the upper echelon of society or at the drag point of society. Wherever your depth is, however near you are to death, as long as there's life, there's hope. And your hope is in Jesus. Cry out to him, ye ends of the earth, and be saved. Thank you again for listening to Living Truth with John Corr and C.L. Mitchell. If you would like to hear this podcast again or previous episodes, you may do so at passionforhisword.com. That's passionforhisword.com. You may also like us on Facebook at Living Truth Radio Broadcast. That's Living Truth Radio Broadcast. Again, our prayer for you is that God would sanctify you in truth, for His Word is truth.